Are you ready to join us in creating a better world? Awesome, because you're in the right place. Each week, we feature an inspiring story or message to help spread positive change and create a better world for all of us. I'm your host, Rick Ornelas. Welcome to the I Spark Change podcast. Hello, hello. What is up? Welcome to the first edition of the I Spark Change podcast. I am super excited to be here with you all today, and I can't wait to dive into this first episode, which is, unfortunately, all about me, (laughs) because you're not going to be listening to this podcast unless you know who the host is, and I'm your host, Rick Ornelas. I'm the uh, CEO and founder of iSpark Change, and welcome to the iSpark Change podcast. So when asked that question, who am I? It, you know, sometimes it's really a tough one because a lot of people, they identify with their, with their career or they identify with something that they do in life, their hobbies or their experiences. And for me, the, the, big, one, the big one is really family. And, and I'd say that, that you know, before I created iSpark Change and, and got into that, which I'll share in a little bit, I mean, I've been a family guy through and through, and not in the sense of Peter Griffin, by the way, but, but a, a family guy in the sense of that I love my family and they are, you know, my everything. And for the first half of my life, I, I'd say that, that I've been about three things, and those things are family, faith, and love. And I had never really thought about, about how you know, how those things became a part of my life. And it wasn't until a couple years ago in, uh, in 2019, when uh, my, my father and hero had passed away at the age of 96. He'd lived a long, long, you know, great life. And when I was writing his eulogy, I realized that those were the three tenets that he lived by, family, faith, and love. And those were the things that he imparted into me all those years. And they're really what has made me the person that I am today. And as I said, you know, that's how it's been for the first half of my life. And I know it will be a big part of, you know, the second half of my life. But it starts with family. So I I've, have my beautiful wife, Tanya, who I've been married to for uh, 25 years um, in, uh, in 2021. And we love each other more uh, today than we ever have. At least uh, that's what I tell her. Hopefully she believes me. And we have three, three beautiful daughters, uh, Ciara, Kinsey, and Haley. And as I said, they've, they've been my life. You know, we, we started a family at a young age living in Southern California. And, you know, we didn't really know what we were doing when, when we started having kids, we, we, you know, we got, we got married and soon after we found out Tanya was pregnant and, and we were, we were scared, didn't know what to do. And we said, Hey, we're just going to dive in head first and see how it goes. And we made a ton of mistakes along the way. And we learned a lot along the way. Um, but I think she'd, she'd admit that we did a pretty good job and, and she's a, a wonderful individual as are uh, Kinsey and Haley. 
Um, but I think early in life, I learned that, that purpose was important and having, having a family really helps to give you purpose. Um, but, but I never really knew, I never really knew what my purpose was. You know, I knew family was important, like I said, but I didn't know, I didn't know that they were going to be the, the key driver of my life. Because when I was a young guy, I mean, I was, I was selfish. I was cocky. I mean, I had always been involved in competitive sports and, and had an ego and was really about myself in many ways at, at that young age. And it wasn't until, you know, you're holding that little, that little body that you had created, that little infant that you had created that you realized that, okay, I better get my, you know, my crap together. And, and that's where I started really focusing on family. And as a, as a young man, you know, as I said, we're, we're doing the best I can with Tanya and we're, we're raising our, our young family and living in, um, in Southern California. And my story really, really took a turn in uh, about 20 years ago when my, when my kids were, were really small, because it was one, one rainy Sunday afternoon when we had gone down to Los Angeles, uh, it was a couple hours north, uh, south of where we lived, and we had gone down for a birthday party. Now, it was some kid's birthday party. I couldn't tell you who, who that was. If you pay me a million dollars, I couldn't tell you whose, whose party that was because it doesn't really matter. But what matters is what happened after the party because as we, as we left on this Sunday afternoon to drive back home, and we're, we're heading north and we're driving um, on the 118 freeway uh, just north of Los Angeles, and it starts raining really, really hard. I mean, now I live in Texas, and that kind of rain is kind of commonplace, but, but back then in California, it wasn't very common, and it was raining so hard that the, the wipers couldn't, couldn't clear the, the water from the windshield, so you could barely see, and we see cars pulling over and they decide that, you know, it looks like they're going to wait it out, but we don't know how long it's going to last. It doesn't look like it's going to stop anytime soon. And, and um, Tanya and I talk about it and we contemplate stopping, but it's, it's getting late, you know, it's, it's early evening and, and we're worried that it's going to get dark and then it's going to be even worse to, you know, to travel in the rain. So we decided to con continue on slow. And, you know, probably some of that arrogance that I talked about earlier um, had something to do with it. Um, but, but we decide to, to continue on slowly and I'm driving in the, in the slow lane and all of a sudden we hit a puddle and I lose control, complete control of the vehicle. And we start spinning out of control and we spin, we're in the slow lane and we spin across four lanes to the left. And we're about to hit the center divider and I'm screaming and Tanya's screaming and, and the girls were asleep in the back. And I, I don't know what's going on with them at this point, but I'm just terrified. And I'm frantically, you know, trying to remember what I learned in driver's education all those years ago. And I'm pressing on the brake or the gas and trying to steer. And all of a sudden, miraculously, we don't hit the center divider and we start spinning back the other direction. And we spin back across four lanes the other way and we go up a dirt embankment and we hit a brick wall at high speed and we flip completely over 
and we land back on the wheels. And the windshield is shattered and the roof is smashed down to our heads and the right side is all smashed in and the, and the windows on that side are, are smashed. And, and I quickly you know, turn to Tanya and see if she's okay. And, and my daughters are now crying, but, but they, you know, they seem okay. And, and I look and, and there's, there's no blood, even though there's glass everywhere, nobody's bleeding. And we're able to, to uh, crawl out of, we get the kids out and we, we get them out of, out of the, the passenger side and we crawl out and, and we make our way to the side of the road. And, and this elderly couple had pulled over and the, the lady grabs this big blanket out of the trunk and she wraps it around Tanya and, and Tanya's just holding Ciara and Kinsey. And they're just, you know, about one and four at the time. Haley wasn't even born yet. And she, she's just holding them as tight as she can and, and crying and, and thanking God that they're okay and they're still alive and just, you know, what had happened. And I'm talking to the gentleman and he says, I can't believe that you got out of the car. I can't believe that you're not dead. And he proceeds to tell me that's the most incredible thing that he's ever witnessed in his life. And he thought for sure we were dead. I mean, he had called 911 and, and he ambulance, you know, came and, and they, he took us to the hospital and the car was towed off. It was obviously undrivable. And, and he took us to the hospital and, and I'm thinking, you know, that the, the ER doctor didn't even want to examine the girls. He's like, they're fine. You know, there's not a scratch on them. They're okay. And I forced him to check out the girls and, and then my sister comes to pick us up and, and my daughter, Kinsey, she won't get in the car because she's just terrified. And I start thinking, wow, you know, I mean, this was really something traumatic. And, and over the next few days, I, I start, I start to really assess what had happened and reflect on the experience. And the next day I, I, get a ride from my father-in-law down to the, um, to the impound um, place to get the, our things out of the vehicle. And I, the, the, my black Grand Prix is sitting on a, on a flatbed tow truck out in the front. And, and I go inside and I speak to the attendant and I say, Hey, I need to get my things out of that, the car. And he says, which car? And I said, the black Grand Prix that's on the flatbed. And he looks me square in the eye and he says, that's not your car. And I said, yes, that, that's my car at the Grand Prix's mine. And he says, no, there's no way that's your car because whoever was driving that car is, is dead or, you know, whoever was driving that car is, is in the hospital lease. You know, that can't be your car. And, and I, you know, have to convince him that it's my car and, and he, you know, show my identification. And finally he lets me and I get my things. And as we're driving back, I'm really thinking, wow, you know, if, if, if this is a person that obviously has experience and he's you know, saying how you know, crazy that car looked and, and it really caused me to reflect. And, and, you know, that arrogant guy that I was went through a period of, you know, not being so strong where I, you know, I, I decided to write about it. And I, and I wrote down a list of things that I wanted to live my life by. And I called them my to-do list for every day. Things like living every day like it's the last day of your life and, and doing unto others as you want them to treat you and, 
and being grateful and being present and, and not harmful of others and loving my family. And that list really gave me guidance. It really gave me guidance, you know, back then when I was struggling and, and has for the past 20 years. And, and during that period of reflection is when I realized that, you know, those key tenets that I discussed from the beginning, the family and faith and love were, were a part of who I am and who I would be for my whole life. And when, when I continued to reflect, it, it, really, it really made me lean on that faith. And my mother was so adamant that our, a guardian angel had protected us and, and said that, that it was a guardian angel that had you know, shielded us in the vehicle. And so she gave me this tiny little guardian angel pin this little gold guardian angel pin to put on the visor of my car. And one day as I was out at work and I'm sitting in my car and I'm staring up, looking at that guardian angel pin. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm kind of daydreaming or dreaming. I'm not really sure. And all of a sudden, this idea for a story hits me like I had just watched a movie. And I realized, I say, wow, this is, that's a pretty, pretty crazy story. I, I need to do something with this. So I, I end up writing about a page and then I go about life and I, and I never do anything with that story. And then you fast forward to March of 2020 when the pandemic had started and the world had shut down and People are in crisis and people don't know what they're going to do. And, and I'm getting anxious and, and uncertain because my business had, shut, had slowed down and, and I had had to resign as the CEO of one of, one of my clients. And I all of a sudden have uh, nearly no revenue and a mortgage and a family to take care of. And, and I start getting worried and fearful. And then I lean on those, those things that I know about, on my family, on my faith, and on love. And I think, you know what? I am not as bad off as many others. And I need to help others. And I need to, to do my part and support, support people. Because there's people that are suffering far worse than I am. And so I start to write. And I, and I write a blog called how to use the pandemic as an opportunity. <laughs> and in there, I talk about, you know, how to be grateful for what you have and how to help others and serve, you know, serve them and, and use the time that, that God has given you as a blessing. And then I quickly realized that I need to take my own advice. So I say, you know what? It's time to write that story. It's time to write that story that had been put in my head 20 years ago. And so in April of 2020, I start writing the book, 12 Hours of Heaven, uh, what would become 12 Hours of Heaven, Lessons for a Better World. And I, I go based, I start writing based off the, the vision that I had in my head 20 years ago, and I just start going about it methodically. And I Google how to write a book, and it says you should write consistently every day, and you should write 
500 to 1,000 words a day if you can, and just keep going about it. So I said, okay, that's what I'm going to do. And thankfully, I had time because we were, we were all in lockdown. And I start writing, and I start writing my you know, 500 to 1,000 words a day. And then about the beginning of June, everything changed. And that's when, that's when I think, you know, someone higher up had, had bigger plans for me because I start writing about this spiritual, this spiritual content because 12 Hours of Heaven is a fictional story about an angel that is sent down from heaven to help people on earth. And, and in my fictional story, I start relating to the, to the characters and we start, start relating to their struggles and, and the struggles that I've had in life. And I, and I realize that I'm going into a, a very connected place spiritually. And I started having dreams and visions and creativity like you would not believe and like I had never had before in my life. And I realized that I was being given a gift and my writing flourished. I went from writing, you know, 500 words in a day to writing over 2000, writing a whole chapter in, in a few hours. And I finished my book in, in just a, um, a month later um, on the anniversary of my father's death and, um, and then was able to get the the book published in with just in a couple months um, and had the book out in October of 2020. But the story really didn't end there because in that time of, of reflection and that time of those dreams and visions, I felt called to do more than just write a book. I felt called to do more to help people, to inspire them, to motivate them, to, to help improve the world that was suffering. And that's where the idea for iSpark Change was born. And iSpark Change, the purpose of iSpark Change is to empower and connect humanity to, to um, elevate their social impact and spread positive change around the world, essentially to make the world a better place. And that's when I realized that I would devote my life to making the world a better place. And what way, shape, or form that would take, I didn't know. But I knew that I was creating iSpark Change and I was going to work on it for the rest of my life. And so in fall of 2020, I started iSpark Change and we started. Um, started growing the community, having a community online, building a website, building a team, um, having some gracious interns that I found that could help me, uh, Lady and David, and, and then doing everything I could to, to spread that message and, and spread positive change. And, you know, over the past year and a half in growing iSpark Change, I kept feeling another calling and a calling to to do more to get that message out. And, and that's what brings me here to the Ice Park Change 
podcast. And that's what led, that's what has led me to this point in my life. And I'm going to do my best to share my gifts of, of family and faith and love on this podcast and share my, my tenets of, you know, to love and to give and to serve and, and the, you know, I know I'm a flawed individual, um, but as one of my mentors likes to say, you know, we're all flawed and we're all awesome. We're all flossom. And so I'm going to share my flossomeness with you, <laughs> share my vulnerabilities and, and share who I am. And, and um, we'll have, um, we'll have episodes that'll be all about positive change in our world. And, and that's what I've devoted my life to. And that's what I'm going to continue to do. So uh, with the I spark change podcast and beyond. So I look forward to having you on this journey with me. I look forward to having you be a part of the I spark change podcast. Uh, so thank you for listening. Now go out there and spark some change on your own. And God bless you. Remember, Impact Heroes, every positive action has a ripple effect that spreads far beyond the initial act. So go out there and spark change. Don't forget, if you enjoyed this episode, then please smash that five-star rating on iTunes or Spotify and leave a review. We value your comments and we want to hear from you in the community. Thank you for listening. God bless you. And we'll see you next week on the I Spark Change podcast.